Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, everyone. So throughout this Advent, we've been talking about us as people waiting in the dark. This has been a theme we've returned to again and again. The darkness of sin and death in the world all around us. Something that as hard as we try to, es- to escape, we can't seem to get out of it. And whatever we, seem, we try to do, um, we realize that there's a certain point where we get beyond ourselves, where we can't save ourselves from this darkness. We've talked about different examples of people in the dark. We've talked about watchmen waiting in the dark from the Psalms. Talked about Mary and John the Baptist here or there. And today we come to our final figure that is our companion as we wait in the dark, Joseph, Jesus' father, Mary's husband. This is me reading from Matthew 2 or Matthew 1. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Certainly this experience of his wife suddenly, or soon-to-be wife, suddenly having a child that isn't his was a period of deep darkness for Joseph. What happened here? Did she cheat on him? She did, he didn't want to shame her, but there was concern and a whole future that he had imagined for himself and they'd imagined for themselves seemed to be shattered. What would come of their family? What would come of this woman promised to him? What would come of his future? Would he be able to marry again or have children? He is certainly in a dark place. And as he is sleeping, he's immersed both in this kind of darkness of sin and death and fear, but also in the literal darkness of night. And there he has a dream. Joseph has a dream. Dreaming might seem to some of us a little odd detail in the story, maybe to others innocuous or unimportant. In Luke's account of this gospel story, the angel of the Lord comes to Mary, not to Joseph, and no mention is made of a dream. But dreaming is pretty common in the scriptures, right? We, we see it all over the place. We're used to hearing stories of dreaming, at least in the Old Testament. Interestingly, though, dreaming only appears seven times in the New Testament. There's a, a quote in Acts 2 from uh, Joel. But six of the times are in Matthew's gospel. And five of the times are in these first two chapters of Matthew's gospel. And there's kind of this strange spotlight on dreaming that appears in the, the beginning of the good news that Matthew shares of Jesus coming into the world. What is it about dreaming here? Beyond that, and perhaps the most interesting for us to consider today, is that four of those times, Joseph is dreaming. He is the great dreamer and really the only repeat dreamer of the New Testament. He dreams here when the angel of the Lord appears to him. He dreams again in 2.13 when the angel of the Lord says, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there till I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. He dreams and the angel of the Lord tells him to, to rescue Jesus from death. And then when Herod dies a few verses later, the angel of the Lord tells him again to return from Egypt back to Israel 
so that this, this child, Jesus, can have a flourishing life. So Matthew paints Joseph as the dreamer of the New Testament. And the question that we have this morning is why? And why speak to Joseph through a dream? It seems like appropriate imagery for us waiting in the dark. What better way to capture this strange reality of being in the dark and waiting for hope, waiting for light to come, waiting for the morning to come? We're in this kind of foggy slumber with Joseph between our wakefulness and being completely comatose. We don't have control in our dreams, but they're also our glimpses of hope. Can we trust these dreams? Can Joseph trust his dream? Some of these dreams we've experienced may be fulfilled. We may find great joy if we have a dream that gives us hope. But other dreams, both dreams in our wakefulness and dreams in our sleep, can become can come unfulfilled or even can be devastating. I've heard recent stories of friends having prophecies and dreams spoken over them that didn't come true. Dreams of having a child one day or dreams of being relieved from sickness. And many Christians find hope in these kinds of dreams, but can we trust them? Trusting too much in dreams is foolishness. And that's not just my words. That's a pattern we see in the Old Testament scriptures. There's warnings in the law. Do not consult omens or pay regard too much to dreams. Warnings from the prophets. Jeremiah says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. Zechariah says similar things. There all are false dreams. Maybe most interesting of a warning is in Ecclesiasticus, which is in the Apoph- Apocrypha. It's uh, writings, ancient writings, that have been considered by some Christians to be Holy Scripture, by others words for um, encouragement and for us to, to heed as Anglicans treat the Apocrypha. Um, in, in Ecclesiasticus, dreams are said to lift up fools. If they aren't sent from the Most High, set not your heart upon them. So there's a reason to be scared and wary of these dreams, both for us and I imagine for Joseph in some way. How can he trust that this good news is true, that Mary has actually given birth, will give birth to a son that's conceived by the Holy Spirit? But sometimes a dream is how God chooses to speak truth to his people. These are the exceptions. These aren't the rules. These aren't happening all the time. And they, when they do happen, the angel of the Lord comes to someone, always appears to these people dreaming. There's many famous examples that I'm sure many of you can think of, of dreamers in Israel's history. You could think of maybe Jacob's ladder, when Jacob, being blessed by his, his father, is sent to receive a wife, Rachel, and in the wilderness he falls asleep and sees angels descending from heaven and back up to heaven. And there he encounters God and calls it a holy place. We maybe think of Solomon's dream of this kind of blank check he receives from God as a young man who's made the king and and God comes to him and says, ask for anything you wish, coming to him in a dream. And and Solomon, as a, a, a young, 
wise, God-fearing, righteous young man says, give me wisdom so I could serve your people. Then there's Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel interpreting dreams for the king and attributing all of his ability to interpret to the mighty acts of God. So Joseph is certainly not alone. He comes from a great tradition of dreamers. And there's a pattern here. People described as righteous and just, and God or an angel of the Lord appearing to them to give them wisdom to interpret these mysterious dreams. Most importantly of all, Joseph's successor or predecessor, the great Old Testament dreamer, equivalent to Joseph as the great New Testament dreamer, is Joseph of Egypt, the one we maybe think of most as a dreamer. And I don't think that it's coincidence that both of their names are Joseph, that both of them have a father named Jacob, that Rachel is mentioned in the second chapter of Matthew 2, Jacob's um, mother, Rachel. This greatest dreamer of Israel's history, Joseph, uh, the patriarch, early in his story, he's loved by his father more than any of the other children. And he dreams of being great. He dreams of the sheaf, the sheaf of grain standing up and others bowing to it. He dreams of the sun and the moon and the stars bowing to him. And he angers his brothers and they try to kill him. There's real threats of death towards Joseph the patriarch. Real threats of death, just like Jesus faces real threats of death that Joseph tries to protect, Joseph of Nazareth tries to protect him from. Joseph the patriarch is almost killed. He's in a pit and he's saved from this pit and he's sold into slavery in Egypt. In a sense, he flees to Egypt for safety just as Joseph is called by God in the New Testament to flee to Egypt to save Jesus Christ. There are more dreams that come to Joseph of the Old Testament. Ultimately, he is imprisoned again, even though he has been faithful and just and righteous, he's imprisoned again. And some men come to him, two men come to him seeking help because they have these dreams that they don't know how to make sense of. Two other prisoners Joseph says to them, as they ask for him to interpret the dreams, do not interpretations belong only to God. They say, help us make sense of these dreams. One of them says, I see three branches. This man's a cupbearer for the Pharaoh. And he sees these branches, grapes removed from them, pressing the grapes from a vine, making them into wine, and he gives these to Pharaoh. The other is a baker, and he sees three baskets in his dream and he carries these baskets of bread on his head and in the dream the birds eat it. And Joseph, the patriarch, Joseph in the Old Testament says to him that these dreams signify the fates of these men. In three days, the cupbearer will be restored. He will return to serving the Pharaoh, return to his place of power and the baker will be executed for his crimes. Joseph remains imprisoned for two more years And then eventually this cupbearer tells the Pharaoh of Joseph's dreaming and that he can trust this man. And the Pharaoh himself is having dreams and he needs help. I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, the Pharaoh says, you can interpret it. Joseph answered, Pharaoh, it is not I. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. 
You may remember this story. Pharaoh sees cows coming up from the Nile, grazing fat cows, and they're devoured by thin cows. Joseph, the patriarch, says to him that in seven years, over the course of seven years, Egypt will flourish, will have great grain, a plenty, have more than they ever need. And then seven years after that, there will be great famine. And because of this, because of his ability to hear the Lord and to interpret these dreams, Joseph the patriarch is granted great responsibilities. He is blessed. He listens to God. He obeys him. He is a righteous and just man. Pharaoh makes Joseph the second most powerful person in the land. God favors this man. He blesses him. And ultimately, Joseph, in his final words before death, gives words of hope and deliverance to his brothers who are now stuck in Egypt and will eventually become enslaved, the people of Israel there. But Joseph knows and experiences from God in a dream and a vision that you will be saved, that you will be delivered. This is the great dreamer of the Old Testament. And now let's return briefly to Joseph, Jesus' father's dream, Joseph of Nazareth. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Joseph of Nazareth's story is perhaps not as grand as the lengthy story of Joseph the patriarch. He's not the second greatest man in the world when he has his dreams. He isn't the, the, one of the most powerful people in the most powerful kingdom on earth. His name is probably not famous in his lifetime. Even the Catholic Church has kind of reassessed Joseph over the course of his life and was recently placed uh, with more authority in the church as a saint. Um, and he, he hasn't had this famous name like Joseph the Patriarch in his lifetime. He's just a humble carpenter who soon disappears from the story of entirely After Matthew 2, you never really see him again. You hear his name once. He disappears. A humble carpenter that doesn't seem to have much significance beyond these dreams. But this is precisely the point. It is through the smallness of Joseph, the father of Jesus, the great dreamer of the New Testament, that God speaks. It is through the smallness of Joseph. Matthew paints Joseph the dreamer As one of the lineage of Israel's most righteous patriarchs, kings, he's said to be in the lineage of David and prophets. He is so like the greatest dreamer in Israel's history. It's uncanny. He is a living symbol of God's continued presence with his people throughout all of human history. He is the last great dreamer. And it is time for this part of God's story to disappear. Because Joseph and the patriarchs and the kings and the prophets, all these who have come before, they do not lose their significance now. Rather, they find their greatest significance in disappearing from the scene. As Jesus, the one who fulfills all of their hopes and dreams, comes. 
Dreams are no longer necessary because the dream is fulfilled in Christ. The final patriarchal dreams, the final dreams of the people of Israel are announcing the great news that Jesus in his incarnation comes to be with us. The final patriarchal dreams of Joseph are about protecting this child, of making sure he lives so that he can live out his mission on earth, that he can conquer evil and death, save us from all our sins, and ultimately bring about the justice of the kingdom of God. And when he fulfills this, when Joseph dreams and helps bring Jesus to life and save him from Herod, he disappears from the scene. All of us, too, have dreams that come to us in the darkness of Advent night. They may be the sleeping or waking kind. They may be dreams that we think and wonder if in the night, if we should have an interpreter speak into, is this bringing us real hope? Will I be healed from this sickness? Will I be reconciled in this relationship? Maybe we have dreams of finding fame or fortune in some way. Or maybe some of us just have dreams of having a roof over our head and having a warm meal. All of us certainly dream of future flourishing of some way. Maybe more imminent for others of us, we have dreams of some kind of hope during Christmas where we know we've experienced loss recently or in years past where we feel pain when we know we should be celebrating but we're grieving. And the message that Joseph the dreamer brings us is that there is hope. It is time for us to awaken from our sleep. Dreaming is no longer necessary. This is the good news that Jesus brings, that there is no need to dream anymore because he comes to us, the unexpected king, the baby in a manger. He came to us then, he is with us now, and he will come again in great glory at the end of the age, making all things new. Pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.